It's Thursday, September 26th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, lawmakers questioned the country's top intelligence official about how he handled a whistleblower complaint concerning President Trump and the president of Ukraine. I believe that this matter is unprecedented. Then Israel's election ended over a week ago, and we still don't know who's in charge. And finally, America's genie is growing, but this one doesn't grant any wishes. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by LaCroix Sparkling Water. The most complicated story today is about that whistleblower complaint, which, yes, is still dominating the headlines. It got delivered to Congress yesterday. And this morning, the House Intelligence Committee put it online right before a big hearing, where they questioned the acting director of national intelligence about why he didn't give them the complaint sooner. The hearing was contentious. The head of the committee, Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff, laid out what he says are the stakes here. Yesterday, we were presented with the most graphic evidence yet that the President of the United States has betrayed his oath of office, betrayed his oath to defend our national security, and betrayed his oath to defend our Constitution. Meanwhile, the top Republican on the committee, Devin Nunes, threw water on Schiff's argument. Once again, the Democrats, their media mouthpieces, and a cabal of leakers are ginning up a fake story with no regard to the monumental damage they're causing to our public institutions and to trust in government. So today we're going to get into what's in the complaint. Spoiler, it's about more than just that phone call. And then what the acting DNI had to say about it on Capitol Hill. Let's get into it. Starting with what's in the blockbuster complaint. Up until now, we basically only knew that it laid out concerns about a phone call between President Trump and the president of Ukraine. We talked about how the White House released the rough transcript of that phone call yesterday. Trump congratulated the Ukrainian president and his party's big election win, and then asked for a favor. Well, a few favors. But the big one was this. Trump asked the Ukrainian president to help his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and the attorney general of the United States, Bill Barr, dig up dirt on former Vice President Joe Biden and his son. If you want more of that backstory, check out our last few episodes this week. So yesterday, we got that rough transcript. And today, we got the complaint that kickstarted the whole shebang. We still don't know who wrote it, but whoever it was, was concerned about more than just that phone call. According to the whistleblower, after the two hung up, White House lawyers tried to restrict access to records of that call. Today, some people are calling this alleged effort a cover-up. On top of that, the U.S.'s special representative for Ukraine had to step in and advise Ukrainian leadership on how to navigate Trump's requests. Also after that call, the whistleblower says Giuliani actually flew to Madrid to meet with an advisor to Ukraine's president. The whistleblower says it was a direct follow-up to Trump's phone call. See, bigger picture, over the last few months, Giuliani and some other Ukrainian officials have been publicly pushing theories about the Obama administration's dealings with Ukraine, including the theory that then-VP Joe Biden pushed to have Ukraine's top prosecutor pushed out to protect his son Hunter from being investigated. The whistleblower says that the State Department was uncomfortable about what Giuliani was doing and had to pull him aside to, quote, contain the damage to U.S. national security. To be clear, a lot of the -the behind-the-scenes stuff 
wasn't stuff the whistleblower personally witnessed. Instead, the whistleblower says multiple U.S. officials shared the info, and then the whistleblower wrote up the complaint. If you're feeling overwhelmed by all of this, same. And today on Capitol Hill, lawmakers, they're just like us, had a lot of questions. The big question was, why didn't we get this complaint sooner? Acting DNI Joseph McGuire had some answers. He said he couldn't just wave the complaint on through to Congress, as the law says he ordinarily should, for two reasons. First, as soon as McGuire saw that the complaint was about a conversation between the president and a foreign leader, he thought it might be protected by executive privilege. That's like the president's cone of silence. And the DNI doesn't have the power to burst that bubble. Second, remember the complaint was filed with the intelligence community's inspector general, but it concerns conduct by someone outside the intelligence community, aka Trump, talking about something that doesn't have anything to do with national intelligence. McGuire wanted a second opinion on how to move forward, so he called up the Office of Legal Counsel at the Department of Justice for advice. And they said, you don't have to release this to Congress. McGuire argued those Office of Legal Counsel rulings are binding. So his hands were tied. Until yesterday, when the White House released its quasi-transcript, which meant any executive privilege went bye-bye. So McGuire could give the House Intel Committee the complaint, and the committee could release it. But the committee chair, Schiff, was skeptical that the DNI wasn't actively trying to withhold info from them. There's no time. Was there any intent on my part, sir, ever to withhold the information from you as the chair, this committee, or the Senate Intelligence well, Committee? I, Director, I wish I had the confidence of knowing that but for this hearing, but for the deadline that we were forced to set with this hearing, that we would have been provided that complaint. But I don't know that we would have ever seen that complaint. So what's the skim? Today, President Trump said that the whistleblower and whoever gave them the info was, quote, almost a spy. But the acting director of national intelligence testified that he thinks the whistleblower did the right thing and followed the law, but that he felt he couldn't deliver the complaint to Congress because of concerns over executive privilege and because the Justice Department told him it's not his job. During his testimony, McGuire also refused to say whether he's discussed this complaint at all with the president. The person we didn't hear from today was the whistleblower. McGuire said he's working with the committee to give the whistleblower the chance to testify for themselves. Meanwhile, this whole saga has bolstered the Dems' call for an impeachment inquiry. Today, more than half of all members of the House are on board. In the meantime, on the other side of the world, Israel's prime minister is fighting for his political future. That story's next. At Skim This, we make your evening smarter. And LaCroix can make them more refreshing. For a bold taste, try LaCroix's Curate flavors. Pineapple strawberry, appleberry, cherry lime, kiwi watermelon, blackberry cucumber, and cantaloupe pink grapefruit. LaCroix is also environmentally friendly, and all LaCroix cans are perpetually sustainable and recyclable. You can join the LaCroix community on social at at LaCroix Water. For more information and a full list of retailers, visit LaCroixWater.com. Voters in Israel went to the polls nine days ago, and we're only just starting to figure out who will lead the country going forward. On Wednesday, Israel's president, which is a mostly ceremonial gig, offered current prime minister Benjamin Netanyahu a shot at forming a coalition government. This is how things usually work in Israel. But after most elections, it's usually clear who won, and therefore, who would have the best shot at getting majority support from Israel's parliament. 
the election this year isn't like most years. This year, voters in Israel have had two shots to figure out who's in charge. The elections in April ended with Netanyahu's Likud party winning the most seats, but without enough support from other parties to form a coalition and govern. So lawmakers voted to dissolve parliament, and Israel had this do-over election, which it turns out didn't really change much. That's because this time, the Likud party and the Blue and White party of Netanyahu's opponent Benny Gantz won about the same amount of seats. And neither got more than 50% of the vote, meaning both would, once again, need support from smaller political parties to govern. Netanyahu and Gantz reportedly did some talking this week to see if they could work something out. Maybe we share power or rotate who's prime minister. That's not really working out. But then yesterday, kind of out of nowhere, President Royvan Rivlin decided that Netanyahu has the better shot at forming a coalition. So now, he's giving Netanyahu the green light to try again. Which means now the clock is ticking. Netanyahu has 27 days left to build a coalition. And if he can't, Gantz could then get his shot. Or Israel could be forced to vote again. But even if Netanyahu does pull off some miracle math in the next few weeks, governing could be a major headache. Right now, Israel's attorney general is considering whether to indict Netanyahu on three criminal charges of fraud, bribery, and breach of trust. That decision could come in the next few months or even weeks. And some lawmakers, like Gantz and his Blue and White Party, have said if that happens, they're not cool with serving under a leader who's under indictment. Today, the U.S. Census Bureau reported some bad news about the Gini Index. Not like the Gini from Aladdin, the G-I-N-I Index. It's a measure of income inequality, and it's a scale that ranges from zero to one. Zero means perfect equality, everybody making the exact same amount of money. And one means one person or group makes all the money, and everyone else gets nothing. So today we got America's new number. And it's 0.485, which, in context, is the highest number in more than 50 years. And a signal that income inequality in the U.S. is getting worse. There could be several reasons for this. Some experts say it's because of a generational divide between retiring baby boomers and millennials who are still trying to make it in the workforce. Another driver could be a geographic divide. Big cities hogging all the jobs and higher wages, while rural areas are losing agriculture and manufacturing jobs. Some blame political decisions like the 2017 tax cut, which benefited wealthy earners the most. So that's the big picture view of Americans' finances today. But if you're looking for ways to improve your personal financial situation, the skim has you covered. We've got lots of money tips on everything from negotiating a raise to managing student loan debt on our website at theskim.com money. And we've just launched a new video series called Asking for a Friend that highlights individual stories of women who are making their finances work against all odds. Our first video features financial analyst Carmen Perez, who shares how she paid down her debt while planning for a wedding. I was still living paycheck to paycheck, but I also lived in New York City, as you know. Spoiler alert, she made it work. And we think you can too. Check out the first episode of this new series over at theskim.com new. That's the skim with two M's dot com slash new.
And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 